series uh, called Advent, and um, I couldn't come up with another name, but it's Advent, and uh, it's called Rejoice, Rejoice, and I was thinking about it, that it's very odd uh, if we could just get that monitor switched to my slides, that would be cool, uh, that it's just amazing that we, we talk about rejoicing, and we talk about peace, and we talk about all these things, and yet uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic, right? Like, it's just difficult to get our head above water enough to breathe and enough to just think, man, how, when is this going to end? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I get stressed out about it. I get, I get, you know, wondering what's, what's the next steps and all these different things. And so when you get into like an Advent season, you, you, think, in, you think maybe a little differently. You think in terms of, um, uh, you know, how, how does our peace manifests itself? How does our joy manifest itself when so many people are suffering either financially or emotionally um, or physically? And so um, I wanted to uh, start out with just the, this verse in Luke that's talking about Jesus. Oh good, I remember my glasses. And uh, Mark, I don't know why we're not getting slides right now. That switch, there we go, cool. It'll come up in a second. Here's what it says. In Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest. Thank you very much. And on earth, peace among men and women with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. Now, so we think about right now and we think in terms of, uh, okay, how can we have peace right now? But the cool thing about this was this, when Jesus came the world looked very similar. It looked the same. There was political unrest. There was um, uh, the average age of a person was like 40. Like in, infant death was rampant, right? And uh, they were, Israel was, in, was being occupied by another regime that was very uh, hostile. And then also the religious institutions were corrupt, so the Pharisees forgot that they were supposed to be shepherds and priests for God, and they, it was a power grab, very similar to what's happening with us right now. And so we can take solace in this idea that we can say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And you say, John, how in the world can we have peace right now with all the social unrest and political unrest and a pandemic and people, you know, dying and all these things? Like, how is it possible? Well, my goal this morning is to show you that it is actually possible, but the path to peace might not be the path that you would think of right off the top of your head. So what is, what is peace? Well, there's a great um, author and theologian, his name's Cornelius Plantiga, and he talked about this, and he says this. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitly fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. The way things ought to be. There was 
God is not pleased in the pandemic. You say, well, why, why didn't he stop it? God is not pleased in social unrest and injustice, racial injustice. He, he say, well, why doesn't he stop it? Because he knows that we are in a broken world. This is not the world that he designed. He designed a world in which we are creative, in which we're working, we're tending, we're, we're, we're um, being satisfied, and we're not sinning. And we're walking in relationship with him. And that was broken at the fall. And so things are not the way things ought to be. So now we're placed in this position where we believe in faith in God and in Jesus. And then we walk this broken journey with him. So how do you get, how do you get peace in a broken world? How do you get peace in a pandemic? How do you get peace in financial instability? Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says it this way, For a child has been born for us, a son is given. Let's watch what it says. Son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. Authority. Here's what I would say to you this morning. The peace of God comes when we submit under the authority of God. Because when we do that, then things begin to become the way things ought to be. And you think about it. Think about the racial injustice that we have going on in our country now. If, if those people in power would just place themselves under the authority of Jesus, of God, those things would begin to be healed. If you look at our financial and however you think the economy goes, if, if people in power would place themselves under the authority of Jesus, we would begin to see healing in our land. Not in the people we elect, but in their ability to come under the authority of God through the word of God and through the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he will be called uh, and, he, and he is named Wonderful Counselor. We'll be talking about that, I think, next week. Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then comes this, these three words that are so amazing when you think of them put together. Prince of Peace. Like, like when he reigns, the kingdom environment in which he reigns is peace. So you think of other rulers, you think of other people in power, you think of other power structures like, you know, uh, how our economy runs and businesses and, 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 and pastors and people in authority uh, in all different areas of life. And you think about, well, what kingdom do they reign over? And very rarely is it peace. But we serve a prince of peace. That when he is given full authority, the outcome is peace. I teach a class, uh, I teach two classes. One is called uh, History and Polity of the Free Methodist Church. No, I'm just kidding. It's, ve it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, the way, yeah, I know. I, I make, I, it's engaging, okay? So that one's cool, and it tells about how Free Methodist churches came, and then how they're awesome, and how they're way more awesome than any other denomination. And, uh, and so we do that one. But then there's another one called Wesleyan Theology, and that's my favorite one to teach. Uh, I hope none of the superintendents are listening to this right now. Um, 
But that's my favorite one to teach. And um, so what we do is this, because I'm teaching young pastors and lay leaders, uh, uh, like basically theology. And so what ends up happening when you teach theology is you get all up in the head and like what's right and what's wrong and all these things. And instead of remembering that theology is just the study of God. And so I end, I always end the class the same way. Uh, I say, okay, and I write down God in a box, right? And then I just say, describe him. And so I don't know, for the live, for those of you watching live, uh, hopefully we can switch to that uh, big slide. But uh, if you look at it, you'll notice all these words. And basically what ends up happening is I say God, um, and, and then I just say, describe him. And all of a sudden, like, words will come up, you know. Someone will say faithful and uh, healer. And it's super slow at first, like just going through, you know, it's just slow. And so, because people are, you know, they're wondering, like, is this really what we're supposed to be doing? And when we get to, when we get to, like, word seven, I can't keep up. So you can, you can switch back to the regular view, Mark, if you want. But I can't keep up with them. They come up with so many words, I can't keep up writing them. Because the God we serve is complex. But every single time, about the third thing somebody says is prince of peace because they go to this Isaiah thing this prince of peace and so you can't experience the peace of God without submitting yourself to the authority of God and this comes through our relationship with Christ that we take our lives we put control aside we put having every circumstance in our life in order and then we'll experience peace that's impossible that's that's a flawed thinking. That regardless of our circumstances. So, for example, we're in a pandemic. God has certain requirements of me as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a citizen. To walk in a way that Jesus would walk during a pandemic. I, I, we're, we have financial issues they're coming okay and so however my finances are it doesn't matter I serve this prince of peace and so I have to come under authority of this God and then then peace comes peace comes through me putting myself under the authority of God and here and I'll give you some other examples most of the time when I'm not experiencing peace I'm not placing myself under the authority of God what I'm trying to do is instead of putting God here, I put John. <laughs> then I go, you know, grinder, uh, accomplisher, you know, strategic, you know, anxious, makes a bunch of mistakes, sinner, right? I don't, I don't want that. I want his authority. I want his power. I want his guidance in my life. Jesus says it this way. So this is now Jesus talking. Grown-up Jesus. Anyone who loves me will obey. Ooh, isn't that hard to hear? <laughs> Anyone who loves me will obey. Because 
You understand that Jesus is there for you. That when he says, no, 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 don't do that, it's for you. When he says, yeah, I'm sorry, you got to give that up, it's for you. And that just like in any relationship, when you understand the other person loves you and you have this reciprocal relationship with Jesus, it comes in the form of obedience. You'll obey my teaching. So Jesus is teaching, what, what is it? Well, it's um, uh, serve others, don't serve yourself. It's, uh, you've heard it said that um, don't commit adultery, but I say don't even look lustfully upon a woman because it objectifies her and she was created in the image of God. He says, don't, you've heard it said don't murder, but I say don't even call somebody fool, which basically means don't drive. Jesus says do not drive on the freeways in California. Now, I mean, that's, that's his whole point. You're going to place yourself under the, humbly under the authority of Jesus. And that's where peace comes. He says, my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching because that means there's a lack of trust. That I, when I don't obey Jesus, I, I basically am saying, I know better. I'll take care of it. You stay off in the corner, and when I need you, I'll pray. He goes on and he says, you know, just so you, you're clear, these words that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while I'm still with you. So, we have Jesus talking. We have Basically, his heavenly father, which that, that would be the word of God. So we have the, we, Jesus, we have the word of God. And then he goes on, and there's an advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, what's really cool about the Holy Spirit, and what's neat, actually, about this section of scripture, is it's a section of scripture that basically confirms that there's a trinity, Okay, this is a Trinitarian body of Scripture. You have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit all, all referenced. So if you're ever wondering, like, where do you come up with that theology? That's where. One of the places. Um, the other place is in Jesus' baptism. When Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, and the Heavenly Father says, this is my Son, with whom I'm well pleased. That was just all extra, no charge, just all extra stuff there. So that's, that's what happens. So you begin to get this idea that, Coming under the authority of God is, is modeling my life the way Jesus, or, or living my life the way Jesus modeled, submitting myself to the word of God and what it says, and then listening to the Holy Spirit that might speak differently to me than he does to anyone else. Because it's, my author, it's his authority over me. So for example, we shut church down outside and we're only online. Well, I know of other pastors who didn't do that. But I, I can't, that, that's them. I can't, like, God might ask me to do something he doesn't ask anyone else on the planet to do. But that's where I find my peace, is when I listen and I go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to pay attention. So my daughter lives in um, uh, South Korea. Can you shut that door for me? Thanks. My daughter lives in South Korea and... Um, I never really thought about South Korea uh, much, you know, because first of all, I'm American and we don't really think about anybody. But, uh, but also, like, why would I need to think about South, South Korea? Well, when my daughter moved to South Korea, and she, she's been there for a year and a half, I started reading up on South Korea and I started, like, like 
seeing what the economy was like and what the weather's like. And my, my watch has American time and it has South Korean time, so I know when I can bug her and FaceTime her. And so um, there was this department store in uh, Seoul, South Korea. And I was talking to my daughter and she says it's like 10 minutes away or was 10 minutes away from where she is. And it's, uh, if you want to, I don't know if you can put that up on um, the live stream, but uh, this is it. Sorry, the, it's a little pixelated because all the pictures of it, uh, it was like back in 95, uh, you know, weren't, weren't like high quality. But this was supposed to be a um, apartment buildings. And they were supposed to be four stories high. And what they decided to do, the, the people who owned the property, was instead of apartment buildings, let's make a department store. And so all the designs were for apartment buildings, and they just basically said, ah, forget that. Let's make a department store. So it was supposed to have four levels, and they added a level. And it was supposed to have these giant columns. You can switch back to normal. It was supposed to have these giant columns. And, but in order to make more space for stuff they could sell, they shrank the columns down so that they could maximize the space. And then they needed escalators because that's what you have in a department store. So they took out some of the pillars where the escalators were and they, you can kind of see where this is going. Uh, and then the way they made it, they didn't do any structural, they just basically attached real thick concrete over a long span without putting in any of the, um, they put in rebar, but they didn't put in any of the framing, a steel framing that would support that. And this went on, and, and this was right around, um, uh, Seoul was just going nuts in building because they're getting ready for the Olympics. And so 40,000 people a day would go to this department store, and they were making a killing. And then one day the ceiling, the roof started to bow down a little bit. And so they were told, oh, by the way, while it was being built, every time a builder said, no, 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 the columns need to be, they got fired. So the, the owner would just, would not listen. And so the, the, the roof began to bow a little bit. So what they did was they drug all the air conditioners to the edges so that the weight of the air conditioners wouldn't, wouldn't collapse the roof. But they didn't evacuate anyone. They didn't change anything. Well, in moving the air conditioners, they scored the concrete, essentially, which anyone who knows anything about concrete, that's why when you go in a, in a, on a sidewalk, it's just a little score that separates the, the, the thing so that if it cracks, that's where it's going to crack. And guess what? That's where it cracked. And so uh, this is what happened to it. And Mark, I don't know if you want to show that big picture to everyone online, but um, basically you've got Two columns on the right and on the left, and, uh, and nothing in between. And again, it's not the greatest picture in the world because it's, it's old. Um, 500 people died. 500 people died. The owner of the building knew that it was falling, but wanted to get just one more day out of the building so that he could maximize his profits. But he left. And his whole board left. And he left his daughter-in-law in there. 
And so when it toppled, she was caught up in all of that. Uh, she was able to survive. About 1,200 people were trapped and they survived, but 500 people died. You say, John, why do you bring up this South Korean <laughs> department store? Because I feel like that's my life sometimes. That if this guy would have just put himself under the authority of engineering and taken a little less money, like, like, like you, you experience it every day. You get behind a red light. You're putting yourself under the authority of traffic laws. Why? For peace. Because you don't want to get T-boned. <laughs> and so you, you might be frustrated because the light's not turning green fast enough. Totally get that. But you have to put yourself under the authority. This person lost Everything. They ended up going to prison. His son went to prison. Um, they got sued. They lost all their money. Why? Because they weren't willing to put themselves under the authority of engineering law. And I think in the same way, in my own life, I can only speak for myself. When I don't put myself under the authority of the written word, of the example of Jesus, and of the nudging of the Holy Spirit, my life begins to have cracks in it. John, says, uh, John quotes Jesus this way, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So you already you're realizing this is a totally different way of seeing what a peaceful life looks like. He continues, Not as the world gives do I give. See, we think of peace as transactional. If I get a raise, my finances will be better and it'll be more peaceful. If I can just get my spouse... To just do what I ask them to do, the relationship will be more peaceful. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This peace comes through authority. Jesus doesn't give peace the way others give peace. Here's how Matthew puts it. Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. And then he makes this incredible statement that I just hope we soak in and resonate in all week long. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He doesn't say... Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will solve all your problems. I'll get rid of a pandemic. I'll get you a raise. I'll give you a car. I'll do any of these things. No, I'll give you rest. And then he says this. There's a caveat. He doesn't just give it. He says, take my yoke upon you. This yoke, I'll show you what it looks like, is basically this thing. And so what he's saying is if you would just bow, humble yourself, bow, get your head under the authority of Jesus, that's where peace comes. You become much more effective. Now there's, I mean, just, I can't prove this, but I believe it strongly. The ox next to you is Jesus. He's the one that does the pulling. He's the one who has the authority. You're just coming alongside, humbling yourself, taking your yoke, 
my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest. Not just rest, but rest for your souls. Don't you want that? I know I do. Then he ends with this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you, become, when you come under the authority of Jesus, it's, it's not this grinding hard work. It's just little by little shaping your life to look like that of Christ. What, how would Christ handle this situation? How would Christ handle politics? How would Christ handle a pandemic? How would he handle his finances, his, his relationships? How would he handle world affairs? Would he be on the news all the time? Would he be, re- oh my gosh, I got to find out everything? Maybe, I don't know. If that's what he's asking you to do, do it. But that doesn't seem easy and it doesn't seem light to me. Whenever I take his yoke upon, even though I don't like sticking my head in there, I don't like bending down, I like, do, what, where are we going? I always want to know first. Like, I'll put my head in, but what are we doing and where are we going? He doesn't work that way. You come under his authority. So let me ask you this, church. Where is Jesus asking you to humble yourself and to come under his authority? You have something that you're dealing with. You have somebody you can't forgive. A lack of forgiveness or bitterness is not, is not peaceful. And when we come under that, when we say, okay, you know what? I don't want to forgive. I this, this person hurt me, but everyone I know, when they're able to experience that forgiveness, it's like, oh, I'm not killing myself anymore. As the worship band comes back up, um, I just want to give us an opportunity to put our lives under the authority of Jesus. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, and you can pray this at home or wherever you are if you watch it later. Um, it's a prayer I pray all the time. Now, for, for some people, they call this the sinner's prayer. And it's a one-time transaction that if you pray it, you go to heaven. And all, all that is great. But as I mentioned earlier, our relationship with Jesus is a journey through brokenness. It begins with saying, I need a savior. I can't do it myself. I'm going to come under the yoke of the authority of the Prince of Peace. And so uh, I'm just going to say some phrases and give you some time to pray that. Um, You can pray it silently. You can pray it out loud. You can, uh, again, if you've been a believer for 40 years, I encourage you to pray this prayer. It's just the prayer of submission. That's all it is. And so this is it. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for dying for my sins. I need you. And I need your authority in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Please help me to walk this walk of holiness. Help me to listen to your Holy Spirit. Help me to understand your word. And help me to live a life that shows people who Jesus is in my context. Just thank you for that. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to know. 
you can email me at john at livingspring.com or you can uh, go to my social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, uh, or you, it, most of you have my cell, you can text me. But I would like to help you in that journey of walking with Jesus and uh, placing your life in the authority of who he is and walking that through. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his joy, and in his peace. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.